Welcome to the Pack is Back podcast, brought to you by the Seawolf for Life Foundation, Synergy Capital Solutions, and Proudmouth. In this podcast, we will provide regular updates on what is happening, what's to come, and how alumni players continue to support community, connections, and contributions. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack is Back podcast. I'm your host, David Vallier, and we are here today with Coach Matt Shazby as well as special guest Derek Donald. So, boys, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Absolutely. Excited to have you. As I've kind of updated our listeners on the first several episodes here, the point of this podcast is really to get the word out and start pulling our our community back together, our fraternity back together. And we thought, what better way to do this than to start updating through a podcast on let's get some hockey updates out there so people know what's going on with the team and then let's get some updates on the guys we played with maybe the guys we didn't play with but like in in my case today with donnie i was just behind him at uaa so get some updates and then let's talk about what's ahead what are some of the things that the alumni is getting involved with? I know we've plugged the mentorship program. We'll continue to plug that for a time. And and maybe talk about why we've refreshed and how we're getting back together in a new way. So that's just kind of an intro on the podcast, but let's transition and talk hockey. Coach, give us an update. Where are we at? What have you been seeing? What's been going on with the team? Fill us in. Yeah, a lot of exciting things here since we've been home. Had the weekend off, which was great for our guys. You go on a 17-day road trip and need that little bit of a break just to kind of refine yourself as a student athlete and allow those guys to really get caught up in their academics. And then for our staff, um, now that we were home, we had the weekend off, like I mentioned, is let's really focus in on our recruiting heading into Christmas break here where most of the guys in junior hockey now have a solid body of work. Your 20-year-olds that are being productive that we might have a shot at bringing in for next year. We're able to secure a goaltending position, so that gives us three for next year, so we're really happy. And then we were able to have some conversations with a couple local guys as well as a forward or two that we've really been spending a lot of time developing those relationships, getting those offers out to those guys and allow them to spend this week to answer, to ask any questions they may have. And hopefully we lock up some key pieces that we know we need going into next. We kind of have a good feel for our 11 freshmen we brought in this year. We feel like their abilities are at a place where we can make a clean read on their future in our program. And then we also just kind of evaluate the transfers that we brought in and kind of what works. Did the grad transfers, are we excited about bringing in maybe a couple more of those next year? Or just really learning as a staff how we want to build this team moving forward. We've had those conversations this week. Getting our guys signed up for spring classes was another big thing this week is making sure everybody's on point academically heading into the spring, taking enough credits, degree towards completion, all that good stuff. So so it's been a good week. Now it's gearing up for two big home series and the beginning of the Governor's Cup. So we had Simon Fraser coming in this week, which is a, a Canadian club university team that came up for our exhibition game at the start of the year. Put 40 shots on them, couldn't find the back of the net. They score one with a minute and a half left. We ended up losing one nothing. So we got a, a bitter, bitter taste in our mouth and we're excited to get them back on our home ice. Just excited to get back in front of our hometown fans who've been incredible so far this year. And then the Governor's Cup, December 
nine, 10 up there and then 16, 17 down here. And that's getting to really have something that you guys are playing for. You're playing for a championship and, you know, it's an interstate championship, but it's kind of the one thing that we can raise at some point this year, if we're able to pull this off, but Fairbanks is going to be an incredibly tough opponent. They have, they've proven themselves this year, whether that's beating Northern Michigan, like we did, or they just went in and should have swept RPI. They gave up a, a lead late there in the second or Saturday night. And they've just been able to at least split and sweep every series they've been in this year. So they're a very quality team and it's a great challenge for our guys. And so uh, this weekend's important for us to get two wins. And then also just continue to work on the things we've been working on in practice to get ready for Fairbanks. Cause you know, we've had this, this, these four games scheduled the entire year. I've built it up from day one that those are the hockey games we want to be peaking for. And we're really excited to get that in-state rivalry going. I love it. Yeah. Those were always fun. I, I always enjoyed the governor cup, get that in-state rivalry. And in some cases, see the guys that you played with in juniors or in high school, wearing a different Jersey and competing head to head. But just looking at your calendar here, De December is a busy month. Right after Governor's Cup, you're out in Massachusetts as well. Yeah, so we're it's we are full on after Simon Fraser. It's nothing but high end NCAA Division One games where we're starting the second half of the year in UMass Lowell, which is the nationally ranked opponent. Uh, Maine's a program that's in kind of a rebuilding mode with their new staff, but they've won some big games this year and it's going to be a great experience for our guys. And then it's UConn, which is the top 15 team. And then Long Island who just beat Ohio state this past weekend. Uh, and then finishing up with Arizona state at home in Lindenwood. and Lindenwood. And another new team that's been making a ton of noise this year, playing quality opponents. And so, yeah, I think that Lowell series right after Christmas is going to be a big test for us and to see how we're going to start off the second half of the year. But, uh, Excited to get on the East Coast, excited to experience those buildings. And I know Maine has a great environment and a lot of history there. So it'll be great for our program to, to show up and down the East Coast for sure. Exciting stuff. Well, thanks for the update. Always love having you on here. Thank you. Donnie, let me turn to you, buddy. <laughs> it's <laughs> so good to just have the chance to chat with you. I know like for listeners, Donnie was... I think 88 to 92, and, and I want to say I came in to UA maybe around 93, 94, somewhere in there. So I got to watch you when I was in high school. Loads, of, And it's actually interesting for me because in my mind, you're older than me. You're not really that much mm -hmm. older than me, right? Once I look at it on paper, but because I was in high school while you were in college, it just seems like a world apart for me. But first of all, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Tell us Fill our listeners in. What have you been up to personally and professionally since leaving UAA? Well, after I left UAA, I had a stint in pro hockey and came back. And I went out and played in the East Coast League and the IHL and the AHL and then came back. And we started the Aces and went from a club team, senior amateur team, to a team in the West Coast Hockey League. And so played a number of years there and then transitioned into managing everybody kind of knows the history there and so i spent i think probably 10 or 12 years with the aces and then moved down to washington state and got involved in some scouting work with the nashville predators some junior teams was served on the usa hockey junior council finished up after about 20 25 years after uaa being involved in coaching scouting managing finished up with the san jose sharks 
And uh, then I had some family with some health issues and both my kids were going off to university at that point. And so made the decision to move back to Canada in 2017. So I don't know, I guess over 20, 25 years had my hand in a lot of levels of hockey from professional to college to juniors to coaching Bannerman Midget AAA teams. And uh, so anyway, it's been kind of a different transition moving back and got in back into ranching with one of my uncles before he passed. And uh, I don't know, it just got back in my blood. And so that's what I've been doing since 2017 is some farming and ranching work. That's fascinating for me as a guy that has maybe jumped on a horse twice in his life and was actually pretty scared being up that high, to be <laughs> honest. So a wild transition, and you just unpacked 25 years of hockey in like 35 seconds. So I do feel like I want to have you back on and just focus on your hockey days, but that's for another conversation. You were inducted yeah. as a part of the 2006 class into the Seawolf Hall of Fame. Talk to me about that. Well, that was a pretty great honor to to be included in that class, and I'm very proud of it. UAA hockey is close to my heart. You know, some of my best friends or guys that I played with at UAA, and uh, to be recognized is a pretty pretty big deal for me. And I'm just I'm very proud of the teams that we had there. We had a great group of guys. It was uh, our teams were kind of the. The Wisconsin's and the North Dakota's kind of passed on some guys. And so we were kind of that bad news bears group of guys, guys that were just kind of on the cusp of being at big schools. And so every time we played those big schools, we had a chip on our shoulder. But I think it brought that group of guys together. When I started in 88, I think we had 12 freshmen together that kind of worked our way through. And man, I'll tell you, there, there's some guys that are still, we talk every week or every couple of weeks and more like brothers than teammates. And and I think it's it's nice that Hall of Fame was created and seeing a lot of the UAA hockey players and other athletes inducted. And I think it's an important piece of the history for UAA Seawolf athletes coming in to see what, what transpired before they got there. Yeah, and that's also, I think, part of why we want to do this. Um, I think it's really important to have these conversations with multiple age groups of UAA alumni, because we don't always know how the foundation was laid until we talk about it. And all of us are super busy and building our lives, building separate careers, families in all, port, all parts of the world. And not only to acknowledge those that, you know, have laid that foundation, but also to help the guys that are coming next or maybe wearing the jersey today to be able to recognize that they're a part of a bigger legacy than maybe the what they see right in front of them so that's really important yeah. talk to me a little bit about just because i'm such a novice with ranching talk to me about what you're doing give some a little bit more details i know i know we talked in the pre-show about it's, it's minus 30 there your hands are frozen yeah. <laughs> fill us in on maybe the cycle of a year for donnie and what you're doing well, when I first moved back, I had an uncle that had about 300 head of cattle. And so we still, in Alberta, we still ranch kind of the old school way. And for those of you that watch Yellowstone, it's still a lot of the same thing, riding out on horses. A lot of rugged here that you need horses to get to, to go check on the cattle. And so I've worked for a couple different ranches. One, we had 2,000 head of cattle that was in the Wildcat Hills. And back in the bush, you got bears and moose and elk and mountain lions and going back to find cows that are lost. 
that type of thing. So it's actually kind of a great experience. So there was days you're riding up on a ridge, just looking at the Rocky Mountains out by Banff, and you're thinking, I'm actually getting paid to be out here riding this beautiful wilderness. And uh, so... I, and then now I work for a couple other guys and one of the ranches I work for, we run roping steers and, and then I met Colleen four years ago and she's a pretty bona fide roper. So out on the ranch, you're roping cows and calves to treat them. And so I got into the team roping and guys that I know were like, man, 50, 50, 51 years old is a little late to start a new sport like that. But it's been a lot of fun. We do a lot of jackpots and we have a place here that's a PD ranch and horses changing lives. And so we have our four horses and then we board another 26 horses. So taking care of 30 horses every day, I cut hay, make bales. I had Troy Norcross out this summer throwing bales and found out how much work it was, but he wanted to work <laughs> out. He was sweating buckets after about four hours of throwing hay, but it's right. kind of you know, it's that, you know, I think after all those years of traveling and being in cities, it's we're on a hundred acres here. And it's, as we say, it's kind of like, you know, you're living out on God's country and it's a nice change of pace. It's hard work, but some days you look at it and just be grateful that you get to be out and working with the animals and riding horses every day. Like you said, you ridden two horses twice in your life. There's days we're riding four or five different horses in a day. So anyway, it's, I've really enjoyed it. And, and I think the ranching world, much like the hockey world, a lot of the cowboys and people we rope with, it's a real close knit fraternity and people take care of each other. You run into a, an equipment problem or during calving season, you're going over and helping another rancher and everybody kind of pitches in and helps everybody around here. So it's, it's a lot different environment than living in the city. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And let me dive into one more thing before I take you off this point. But you mentioned PD Ranch and Horses Change Lives. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the PD Ranch part is is the boarding of the horses and, you know, they cut hay and sell hay. And But the Horses Changing Lives, uh, my mom got me into and it's a equine assisted learning program where we take we've worked with at risk teens and uh, we use the horses in a program and bring the kids out and you know it might be kids that are you know dealing with addiction problems or social issues and we utilize the horses to help them build confidence and teach some life lessons trust cooperation that type of thing and it's my mom got me into it and it's been a part of our business that's been really rewarding is seeing some young teens that are maybe kind of in a shell socially and watching them grow and develop. And so that's, it's a real rewarding experience. It works great because we use horses that are retired from ranching or retired from their older horses. But, and then we've also worked with the Calgary Autism Society and with the children and young adults. And it's just really interesting. I learned a lot. I knew nothing really about autism until I got working with it and kind of see how you can use a horse to help people deal with some things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to deal with in conversation with humans. It's kind of a really unique experience. That's really cool. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Let me bring you back to UAA. Starting to ask this question to a lot of guys that I have on, but maybe share some of your favorite memories from your times playing at UAA. Well, I think you know, a couple couple big ones that come to mind is when we swept Maine at home, they were ranked number two in the country and uh, swept them just to watch. As Coach Asby was saying, they're heading out to Maine and a lot of history there, national championships and stuff. And and uh, I think that was one of our biggest weekends that Sullivan Arena was packed to the rafters and we had a come from a win. Crafty the first night scored a couple big goals. I had a big night the second night. And just to watch 
the main black bears and coach walls lose their marbles in our building after sweeping them at home was something special. I think a lot of guys that played in that series won't forget. And then obviously when the playoffs going in is kind of a David versus Goliath and upsetting Boston College, who hadn't lost a game all year, ranked number one in the country, go in and sweep them in the first round of the playoffs. On the ice, those were the probably the two biggest memories about playing at UAA, but just, it's one of those things. It's like, sometimes you got to keep things PG rated, but (laughs) those guys say like, it might be a cliche or whatever, but it's the locker room and it's the off the ice and traveling and stuff with the guys. Like I said, there's guys I played with that are more like brothers to me. And it's all of those special moments you have with your teammates through those four years that there's great things that happened on the ice and a lot of great stuff in the community but it's i mean man it's just an endless list of great times with with a great group of guys that i played with and my god to single it out there's just so many great memories and it's like the last alumni trip catching up with Maisie and other stuff the first thing you know again you're with those guys as you guys anybody that's played in a sport like that you may have not seen somebody for a couple years or five years or ten years or 15 years and it's like you just pick up life right where you left off because you were so close yeah it's a pretty special thing pretty yeah. special thing well since you mentioned it tell me a little bit about the vegas event outside of you know crazy canadians and alaskans are the only ones in the pool tell me tell us about the event and fill us in <laughs> Well, it it was great to go to the Vegas event and living down in Canada, it's hard, you know, to see UA play live. So it was nice to see the team back on the ice and kind of get a a live perspective and and see what's going on with the team and catching up with Dan Gasper and Dean Delorier was really nice. And, you know, like, like you said earlier, Valley is I watched some of those guys, Gasper, Lynn, Hilly. And when those guys were done playing, they got into coaching and had a hand in your career. And I think that's one of the special things about UAA is there's so many guys that played in the program that are back in teaching and coaching and doing things in the community. And I remember as a kid watching Tim Molly and Knuckleby and John Hill and Gasperlin and all those guys playing as a kid running around the UAA Sports Center when I was 10, 11 years old. And, you know, it's I was fortunate. I grew up there and watched the program start from where it was to where it is today. And I think there's just a really unique group of alumni. Like there's a lot of universities as if you've traveled around. Anchorage is a place where a lot of guys set up home after they were done. And that's, I think, really a neat part of it, because I think the program really benefits from those guys staying around and having a hand in coaching and developing the young players in Anchorage. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mentioned the chance to watch you play. One of my early coaches was Dennis Sorensen and a pivotal guy in in helping me to learn the offensive side of the game. And, you know, guys like that sticking around and planting a flag and then pouring into the next generation is, is a really big part of what makes this legacy so important to pay attention to. And as I've mentioned in, in previous podcasts and previous conversations, living down in Florida, it's easy to take your eye off the ball. And we all have a sense of responsibility as alumni and making sure that the legacy lives on. And, and so thanks for that update. Coach, but before, let me pull you in real quick. We mentioned, Donnie just mentioned the Vegas event. We're actually going to replicate that next year in Phoenix. Maybe give us some color on that, give some dates out so people can start thinking about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so 
that a new arena, that mullet arena there in Arizona State is just incredible. They've done it the right way. They built it the right size. The student section's amazing. Just being right on campus there is just a great location. The hotel's right across the street. So I think we want to target those Arizona State weekends to be the new focal point. Anybody that's a Seawolf fan and especially the Seawolf alumni to meet up those weekends one each year. Uh, next year is going to be Saturday, November 18th, and Sunday, November 19th is going to be our weekend uh, there. So hopefully everybody can pour in Friday and enjoy themselves Friday night and then catch two games there at Mullet Arena Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it's just a great opportunity to celebrate the program. And it's a great location that, uh, especially over the weekend like that, where guys can come down for three days and maybe, maybe, Christensen can put the boys up for a night and enjoy a good meal together. So it's it's a great spot. Hockey's going to continue to be very successful at Arizona State, and we're thankful that Coach Powers is willing to schedule home and away with us for the next three or four years, and so we can kind of count on that weekend to be a point where our alumni can get together and celebrate. Love it. Love it. Donnie, let me bring it back to Seal for Life. Maybe talk to the guys listening, fans listening. Tell us a little, tell everybody from your perspective, Seawolf for Life, what does that mean to you? And what is, how are you getting involved on a go forward basis? So guys know where you're getting plugged in. Well, I think over the years, we've, we've had some programs together, but I think, you know, with your work and a couple other guys, we've really tried to say, okay, what's the long-term mission with our alumni and how can we, how can we keep guys connected? And when talking to other alumni, the one thing is the connection, right? It's staying in touch, seeing what guys are doing. It's programs like this, like doing these podcasts and uh, being involved in the program. I think guys, like you say, you're in Florida and you kind of lose track of being plugged in and we've got alumni all all over North America and all over the world. And whether you played in the 80s or 90s or in the last five or 10 years, I think it's a specialized group of guys. The only way you get into the membership is by being an alumni of the hockey program. Yeah. And there's a common thread there with all the guys. They all played in a program, maybe at different times, but it's nice to hear and connect with guys that you may have played before you or after you. You know, there, and it's, we look at it, we talk to a lot of guys. I stay in touch with guys, but I think it's a lot of fun. I look forward to coming down to Phoenix in November when it's freezing cold here. So that's a neat, that's a no brainer for me, but getting guys together, it's just, it's a lot of fun trying to share a vision for how we do things. We've got alumni now that are in their sixties and, and being able to connect and help in different ways and drive some incentives or initiatives and how can we as a group collectively you know stay connected and do some good things maybe for a fellow alumni that's having need some help somewhere or some direction i think the mentorship program you know for graduating players is going to be important because my daughter just graduated from oklahoma state and she got a great uh, chemical engineering job and that was all through the engineering program at the university and alumni that are actually working out in the community and so as you see I think it's it'll be a big part of guys maybe saying okay well I'd like to get into this channel of work or I'd like to do this or I'm going to be moving back to Minnesota well we've got 12 alumni there and how can we reach out how can we help 
newly graduating, you know, player get on his feet in a career or kind of figure things out. And I think that's an important piece of it. And it's, it's one of those things where just really kind of to be organized, draw guys back in. How can we keep everybody in the loop, do some fun event? You know, I've talked to the guys here and about doing a summer event here around. A lot of guys have the stampede on their bucket list. And so we're kicking around the idea of getting guys down to Calgary. And it's just one of those things to keep guys connected. And hopefully we can roll out some more philanthropic work as well, helping out different organizations that the alumni feels are important to our alumni program and the hockey program in general. So it's always a work in progress and it's things have changed. And I think we're getting a good vision of where we want to go in the future. I love it. I love it. Thanks for that update. I appreciate that. And for, for listeners, really, as, as Donnie said, we've kind of established this with a few pillars in mind, you know, kind of the mentorship program, like career support, graduation or alumni graduate support. But also the flip side of that is becoming a mentor. If you fit on either side of those coins, reach out to us. You can go directly to the website, seawolfhockeyalumni.com, or you can just send us an email at info at seawolfhockeyalumni.com. But we want to pull guys in. We want your thoughts. We want your experience. And as I said, the flip side of that is, is we want to help the next generation come along as well. So support does exist. We want best ideas on and best practices for that. So this is constantly evolving, but we need other guys involved. So if you do want to get involved, please reach out again, seawolfhockeyalumni.com or directly info at seawolfhockeyalumni.com. And we'd love to reach out to you. So with that, we're, we'll part for today, but we just, we want to thank you for sharing, for subscribing. And we look forward to not only speaking with you again soon, but hopefully we'll get some more guys on here to give updates on where they're at, what's been going on with their lives professionally and personally, and maybe some really fun stories of their days at UAA. So thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pack is Back podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow the show and share it with your friends and family.